Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, welcome back. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm so excited you guys all came back. It's now April and spring is in full swing. Thank you all so much for all the support and always listening and showing up to share more good news in the audio space in 2021. So here we are. Welcome. Let's go Woo! to podcast number 88. I can't believe we made it to 88. Today, we're going to focus on some good news about the game of ice hockey, which we love and saying yes to more things that are fun in 2021. That's our new mantra. Just say yes in 2021. And it's time to have some more fun because after the year we've all had, I think we all need to have some more fun. We have a couple of awesome guests today to talk about this whole idea, this whole concept. We're gonna talk with the amazing CEO of Pure Hockey in just a couple of minutes here. David Nectow is leading Pure Hockey, which is the largest hockey retailer in the US. His company is having so much success right now, despite these challenging times in the COVID pandemic. It's amazing to see companies that are doing really well, despite everything that's happening. We're going to get to all of his entre entrepreneurial advice and insight on how he's running his company shortly. He has great advice for any business owner. But first, we really can't talk about hockey without bringing in my girl, Kelly Babstock. She's the best. You all loved her so much on the Good News Podcast from episode 59. And in case you missed it, you can go back to episode 59 and hear a really long, amazing episode with Kelly. She was so good with all of her motivation and inspiration. Kelly, if you don't remember, Kelly is a professional women's hockey player. She is probably, in my opinion, the best hockey coach there is and an amazing friend to my entire family. She's also the leading scorer at Quinnipiac University here in Connecticut in the 203, right, Babs? The legend herself is back with me now for more good news because we need an update from her right now. So Babs, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Let's go. Babs, you're the best. How are you doing? How's um, it been for you this, lately? What's been new? Been great. Lacrosse season started and we just started the Moms Who Puck. Oh my god. Which gosh. has been amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun getting the moms out with you. Yeah. Leading it. Oh Pat my gosh. No, I'm Pat only really I, I can only really do this with um the encouragement and the support. Because of Kelly, I'm back on the ice after 31 years, came out of retirement, all thanks to Babs and Pure Hockey. But Kel, why do you think it was a good idea? Like when we were first talking about this months ago, why do you think this is a good idea for me to come out of retirement now? It's great because one, age is just a number and you're just unlisted. So therefore you can play hockey and it's just fun to get, you know, the moms out, out of the, you know, family life and get to forget about life for that little hour when you're in the hockey rink, having fun and making new friendships. Yeah. So it's been a lot of great. I know. Great and it's such a sick workout. It's so funny. We all come off the ice so sweaty and like, it's an yeah. awesome workout. So how would you, how would you say we're doing as a group? How do you think the moms are doing as a group overall? The, the moms are doing awesome. They're crushing it. They're falling down, getting back up easy. No problem. I'm not being nice to them on the ice. I'm chirping away, you know, cause we gotta have some accountability but no, the moms just like are having fun. And uh, your rule is a great rule. Don't get hurt. Yeah. So basically, you know, we learned how to fall 
and uh, bend her knees. But um, the moms are doing great. Okay. Okay. So you're, right? yeah, all the moms that fall down, they just are hat fired up and just get back up again. Now I love your, um, one of your mantras is getting better every day. You know, let's get yeah. better every day. And I kind of think that's a good mantra for life too, right? Yeah, just get trying to get day. better every day, trying to improve ourselves. So what do you think the goal is? Like, is your goal to have us really play real games? Yes. Like, what do you think we're going to play against other teams? What are your, what are your like long-term goals for the group? Yeah, the long-term goals for the group is to get better every day so we can play a game against some other moms. Like, you know, I was talking, joking around about let's go to Las Vegas and let's enter an adult tournament and then we're going to make some noise. So basically the goal is to get the, the moms who pop out into a tournament and uh, our gals will crush. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine all of us in Vegas. That would be hilarious. We have to bring video cameras for that and Definitely follow Kelly on Instagram and TikTok for all of that. But Babs, you know, my daughter Blaine looks up to you so much and our mutual bestie at hockey, Rebecca Russo. Blaine really looks up to both of you as role models. So how do you think all of us collectively as a group, as a community, how do you think all of us can help grow the women's game of hockey? We just need to watch it and support it. You can follow uh, the Pro Women's Hockey Player Association, NWHL. Uh, women's world championships coming up in may so just watch and tune in to hockey i mean you know it's the purest form of hockey women's hockey there's no body checking so just tune in and support and follow the uh, social media accounts yeah give them your support i think that's good and your friend amanda kessel who won a, who won the gold medal right she's one of your buddies yeah right sick. i know i saw she was it. at that barstool tournament with you guys that was yeah. so sick right oh my gosh with all now. the amazing women's hockey players yeah. that you guys there's all so have. many and it's only growing so just we need the support and yeah it'll be there that's awesome we'll keep working every day yeah because i do think the girls are the future you know yeah yeah 100 so what are you up to now? Tell us about lacrosse and why do you think it's so important that you're, that we all play other sports other than yeah. just hockey? So now it's lax season. So it's very important for everyone. More like the kids growing up, the more sports you play, the better hockey player you are. So, you know, being a coach in hockey and lacrosse really shows that importance, you know, for an athlete. So yeah, no, lacrosse season underway right now. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Fire it up. I know. I love lacrosse season. It's so nice to get outside too, yeah. right? Yeah. Being outside yeah. We love that. So today we're going to be talking to the pure hockey CEO and I know you've been playing hockey like your whole life. So for you, what is your shopping experience been like when you go into pure hockey? Like, why do you like it so much yeah. when you go there? It's pretty much like a hockey player's dream. You're like drooling around. Like I want everything in here you know, cause there's so much options and it's really like a mom Costco for the hockey players. <laughs> totally. Like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Yeah. And our friend, Amber, yeah. our buddy, Amber, shout out to Amber. We love right. Amber. Good job, Amber. And Amber. We suit up Nina. Yeah. She suited me up and Amber needs to come out to the mom's group now. Moms who puck. Yeah. We gotta recruit if, Amber. Amber, if you're listening, you're being soft. Get yeah. to the ice rink. Yes. We're going to recruit you. So Babs, how can everyone follow you? Like because I think everyone wants to know more about you and they want to follow you because you have such good energy and yeah. everyone loves you. So is it, is your jam Instagram? Is it TikTok? Like too, on social media. You can media. follow me on both Babs, B-A-H-B-Z-8, like Bat the goat. Yes. So, so follow yeah, you Babs on both. Eight. Yeah. Instagram and TikTok. And the eight is because that's your number. Yep. Right. Sick. 
Okay. Not so, a bad number. Babs, good. thanks for being here. Thanks for coming back. And thanks yeah. for thanks encouraging me, all of us. Thanks for encouraging all of us and inspiring all of us. Yeah. And supporting everyone that's in your community. I feel like you're like everyone's best cheerleader. That's like kind of like why we all love you is because you like cheer all of us on and encourage all of us to do good. We got you. We got to be good teammates in this world. You know, we need each other. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to coach you. Oh, you know, the best. I know I keep ripping on you, but like, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I I yeah. And you're the team captain. So like, you like, let's go, you know, no special treatment, no special treatment. Yeah. You also, yeah. I love it. The moms are great. That's awesome. Okay. Well now Babs, here we go. David Nectow joining us from Massachusetts. You heard it here with Kelly Babstock. And pure hockey CEO, David Nectow is joining us now from Massachusetts. Hi, David. How are you? Great, Nina. How are you? Oh, I'm so great. Thanks. This is like, this podcast has been a long time coming. I'm so excited to talk to you and talk all about hockey, one of our favorite sports. And, um, but first and foremost, before we start, I just wanted to say thank you so much. And I just want to know, like in this crazy world, now it is spring, things are getting better, but how are you doing? How's your family doing? How do you feel like pure hockey's doing? I mean, it's been a year, over a year now since the pandemic hit, but how are you guys doing? Nina, we're doing well. Um, Fortunately, everybody stayed healthy, most importantly. And we've, I've been coming to work every day through the pandemic. We've obviously had to run our business a little bit differently with with protection and the like. And uh, my two boys, my wife and I have been fantastic. I have one boy in business with me here who's, I think like a lot of younger people, it's been a little bit neurotic about keeping me safe. Uh, My older son is a scientist and a doctor in New York City and calls me every night to make sure I'm being safe and tell me about his day. But uh, we've been great. And I hope your family's all safe and uh, gotten through the last year as well. Do you feel like in Massachusetts that things are starting to get better? Do you see a little bit of a shift? Because I feel like I'm seeing that in Connecticut. I mean, maybe it's because of the weather and people getting vaccines, but what's the pulse like in Massachusetts? Um, I think a lot of fair amount of optimism. Um, I hear some surveys where people aren't ready to go back to work, but I think the general attitude has been one of Let's get our lives back. And I think American, not just people in Massachusetts, but Americans in general are pretty resilient people and people want to get back to normalcy. There's going to be a group of people who have been wigged out by this and I think make it let this affect them for a longer period of time. But I think most people are just like, let's put it behind us and go. Let's be safe. I think the message coming from leadership in Massachusetts has been pretty consistent and good. Expressing optimism, which is what people need to hear, but also reminding people that we're not done yet. So David, tell us, tell us about your journey to owning Pure Hockey. You know, you guys are the largest hockey retailer in the U.S. How many stores do you currently have? And tell us about, a little bit about your journey to own this awesome company. Wow, topic I love to talk about. Um, we have 60 stores and I grew up outside of Boston, went to prep school in Concord, Mass, went to college up in Maine at Bowdoin. Never, um, was not a hockey player, I was a baseball and football player in college and never planned to be in the hockey business. I was going to go to work for my dad's footwear company, um, which lasted about a year and a half until he and I couldn't get along. Um, I was sure that I was probably a little bit cocky at that age. I left, um, I went into the investment banking business for a couple of years and ultimately made my way towards buying companies where by coincidence, I bought a publicly held shoe company in 1990, took it private, ran that for a bunch of years with an investor group. 
And in 2002, I took my kids into the local hockey store, local sporting goods store outside of Boston where we live. And the owner said to me, hey, would you be interested in buying a sporting goods store? And Nina, I'm not sure why, maybe because I'm not that smart. I said, sure, it'd be a great, be fun to own a sporting goods store with no, having no intention of running it. And we bought a store, it was doing about $800,000 in sales, hockey, soccer, baseball, lacrosse, um, never planned to run it. And over the next three or four years, as the business grew a little bit with me as sort of a passive investor um, and with a partner who was a wealth manager, um, it, it grew and I looked at it and he kept, my partner kept saying to me, hey, why don't you run this thing and let's see if we can really grow the business. Well, so I, in 2004, I made it a full-time commitment. And we bought a lacrosse company in 2005, thinking that was a great future. And at that point, for a number of years, lacrosse was actually a bigger part of our business. And our success really, I think, started in 2008 when we were lucky enough to buy the company Pure Hockey. Um, had a great name in New England, did a really great job in retailer, but the, unfortunately the owner had fallen in some hard financial times because he was diversifying in things away from his core business. So we got the opportunity. We bought Pure Hockey in June of 2008. And now hockey had been, you know, was now the bigger part of our business across being a much smaller part. And over the next six, seven years, we grew organically, opening up some new stores, doing a couple of small add-on acquisitions. And in 2014 and 15, I decided that we need to have a bigger position in the internet business. You know, our retail business was pretty good. But we didn't. We just did a you know a small amount of internet business. So I wanted to go out there and acquire the the skill set. So we bought a company called Hockey Giant, which was located in California, but had nine retail stores throughout the country. But they were among the original internet retailers in hockey, had a lot of know-how, some really good people. We bought them in 2015. And then, you know, we had our retail business at that point. Nina was pretty much the Northeast Corridor. As far west as really New York, we had a few stores in Pennsylvania, but nothing in the core hockey markets of Chicago, Minnesota, St. Louis, Denver. Another company, which was a national competitor of ours called Total Hockey, really owned that market. And I got a call in mid-2016, about eight months after we bought the hockey giant company, where the owner of Total Hockey said to me, look, I'm struggling financially. I don't know if we can make it on our own. Do you want to buy my company? And it was, you know, it's like, it's like when you make the team in hockey or you make the team in football and you're told by the coach, this is, you know, you've done it. I was so excited. Um, it was challenging because we were in a very, very tough economic environment. The hockey business was struggling for a bunch of reasons. I had just paid a lot of money for hockey giant, not, you know, eight months before and had to go to our banks and my partner and say, look, there's an opportunity here that we just can't pass. Um, it was a company that we end up helping go into bankruptcy because they were just financially underwater. And that was the only way a deal we'd get done. And in August of 2016, we bought them out of bankruptcy. So at that point, we became far and away the largest retailer, retailer in the country with stores ranging from the West, the East Coast to the West Coast. And, you know, we paid a lot of money, leveraged up our company a fair amount, but we're controlling the U.S. market and got into markets that we otherwise would have taken years to get into and at the same time, eliminating a competitor. Um, so that put us in 2016. We had a lot of work on our hands in 2017, 2018, restructuring the business under one brand, which was Pure Hockey. 
and getting all the stores in one system and a lot of the boring things that go into you know merging companies together. But our crew did a pretty good job of that. And 2018, 2019 were phenomenal years. And then we hit COVID in 2020. Yeah, that was quite the time to pivot and very challenging. So what would you say, you know, not not all businesses and companies, you know, thrived in 2020 and now in early 2021. But so what would you say is like the current state of pure hockey? Like, how would you describe how things are going right now for your business? Um, We have an incredibly strong balance sheet. And as you know, being related to a person in the financial markets, um, if you have liquidity, and you run your business reasonably well, you're gonna get through most ups and downs. For our business, um, I was in Florida with our retail management team at a conference in um, March, flew back right at the beginning of the pandemic and realized that our world was gonna change. And by the end of March, every one of our retail stores was closed. We continue to run our internet, internet business, shipping a lot of not, I, you know, because most of the hockey rinks were closed, kids weren't playing ice hockey, but they were certainly doing a lot of rollerblading, roller hockey and inline hockey. Um, and then you're buying a lot of training equipment. So we pivoted a little bit and said, look, there's this great opportunity out here that these kids and families have invested in so much in hockey. They're just not going to stop and do nothing. So we did an incredible amount of business in training and roller, kept the business moving pretty nicely. And by June 1st, virtually every one of our stores were back open. Um, I had maintained most of our, all of our store managers were kept on and they shipped our internet product, which we ship out of our stores, which makes us a little unique. And um, we started to bring the rest of our retail crew back over the next month or so. And we were pretty much back to full speed by mid-June. And June and July were incredible months of business, like nothing, like above anything we'd ever seen. And that was a lot of pent up demand from you know, the better players who would normally buy in April and May buy the new gear started buying in June and July and we opened. Um, the fall season was good, not fantastic, but good. Holiday was fair, but here we are sitting at the end of the first quarter and we just had a first quarter like nothing I've ever seen. Wow. What the do you think is driving that? Um, I think there's a couple things, Nina. I think that we as a company have worked really hard to position ourselves it's, it's, it's great to own the real estate and say you have way more stores than anybody else, but the consumer's not stupid. The consumer knows that you have to provide a good experience. And when you walk into a pure hockey store, as I know you've done frequently with your family and now you, um, I think that we have really, really good store people. I think that's the greatest thing. We have two things that we do incredibly well is we have great people in our stores. And think of the trust. I have stores from here to Seattle that I don't visit, certainly haven't been to in the last year and don't get to see those guys and women, but they handle customers and we have to feel comfortable that they're handling people who come in off the street and have an expectation. And they do a, re, a gr- an incredible job. We get pretty good feedback from our customers, good and bad about where we're falling short, where skate sharpening is not good, where they've had a great experience. And the feedback's really overall very, very positive. Um, and the other thing is we do a great job getting product where we need to get product. Um, my buying team, we have about nine people here at corporate headquarters who are responsible, not just for choosing the product and building the assortment plans, but for making sure the product's in the right place at the right time and the right quantity. And if you know the retail business at all, that's the key to making money in retail. You can't have too much. You can't have too little. So when people go into our stores, we have the stuff they need. And we've done a really, really good job. I'm proud of the team over the last couple of years. And of course, things, you know, our online marketing group, we market really, really well. 
we're not great on social media, but our online, our digital marketing is fantastic. Um, operationally, we're very strong. And I think we've just, we've built a good company. And I've got, at the end of the day, it's not just me. It's, you know, it's 800, 900 people who, you know, who really like pure hockey. And, yeah, it's uh, that, it goes back to the teamwork, right? Yeah. Just like the sport, it's all about the team. Yeah, now tell us a little bit about your company culture, because I think that that's something that I feel like is super important to you. So tell us a little bit about the company culture of Pure Hockey. I will. It's um, it's interesting because of that, the vast majority of our people have participated or played in hockey or been hockey fans their entire lives. And if you come from a hockey family, you'll know that people you've played your you played when you were a kid. And there's so many people that play hockey from the time they're four or five years old that are still playing into their 60s and even longer. It doesn't work that I was a baseball and football player. My wife sent me to fantasy camp one year. But other than that, I don't play baseball and football anymore. You know, I do things like tennis. But the hockey culture is so strong in this country, and I'm sure north of the border as well, that when you give people an opportunity to go to work and make some money and support their family doing something they're, they're, they're intuitively love doing, it's a great thing. And I think that breeds a good, good culture. We've worked really hard. I've got a very solid HR department that's not, they're good at the, the blocking and tackling, as I call it, the normal HR stuff. But what they're really good, in, good at is making people feel like they're part of a team. You know, it's retail. Look, we, do, we don't pay people like who get paid in the technology business. We don't have very high educated people, but we have people who are really hard workers, who are great to be around and who want to see an opportunity to continue to grow. My biggest job as the owner of this company is to make sure that we have a sustainable business. And I keep repeating that to our people. It's like, you know, look, there are tough things. We're still here to make money. We have to work hard. We have to do things. We have to block and tackle. But my job, if I can tell you that you don't have to worry about losing your job because I'm going to make stupid mistakes, I think that's a sigh of relief for people, particularly who have gone through a lot of difficult times with their jobs, not just in the past 12 months, but it seems like everybody's been a victim of bad bosses, bad companies, bad decisions. And I think fortunately I've gotten my bad decisions out of the way in my younger years. So maybe I'm just a little less stupid than I used to be. Yeah, we're wise. We're wise because we're older. I love it. It's so true. So let's talk a little bit about growing the sport because this is something I'm so passionate about because I'm a hockey mom. But so how important are programs like learn to play, like when it comes to youth hockey and like growing it and getting it, you know, getting the, the kids excited, how important are those programs like learn to play hockey? What do you think about those? Well, you heard my comment about sustainability, right? We, we're not just going to do this by being lucky and servicing the same people for the next X amount of years. Um, the, the top end of the funnel is incredibly important. Um, we went to the NHL. NHL started an NHL Learn to Play program about five years ago. I thought it was an incredible idea. I was bummed out that we weren't part of it in the beginning, but I thought it was run poorly because what they did is basically left the equipment piece of it to the individual NHL teams who are really, really good at putting fans in seats and having hockey games, but they're not good at this piece. This is what we do. So I went to Bill Daly, who's the number two guy, the deputy commissioner of the NHL. And I said, Bill, I'd known him. And I said, Bill, you have a great program here, but it's, I think it could run a lot better. And he had a bunch of executives sitting around the table and said, you have no idea how poorly this is run. And so it gave us an opportunity to go to them and say, look, let us handle this piece of the product for you. And it's been incredibly successful. And they have about 20,000 new players a year, um, many of whom stick with hockey beyond just the learn to play program. It's the best thing I've seen in terms of getting new people into the game. 
what we've done then is now we're starting to take that model, which exists in NHL cities where the clubs are, and expanding that in areas beyond and talking to programs throughout the rest of the country where there could be a kid in Idaho who doesn't have a shot. There's no NHL team, but these kids want to play hockey. And my son, Ethan, is actually heading up the initiative here to drive more to learn to play business throughout the country. And it's going to happen slowly. You know, you need the rink. You need local people who are really into this. But I think, Nina, the, the learn to play initiatives, wherever they are, whatever quantities, whether they're young kids, they're inner city kids, they're women, or people who haven't had a chance or an opportunity to play like the core programs that always have done it, I think it's crucial to the success of the business. And we want to be right at the forefront of this. And I think, if nothing else, I mean, selfishly, it helps us sustain what we're doing, but also is good for the game. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it's like a win-win. So how do you think, in your opinion, how do you think we can make hockey as a sport more accessible and more affordable to more players? Well, here's the thing. Being realistic about this, hockey's an expensive sport. And it's not just the equipment, it's the ice time. It's like any other sport, you've got two kids, you know, who play, or you, you I think just your son plays? No, they both play. They both play. Okay, yeah. so, son so and daughter. Play. Okay, you know that it's expensive, all right? And if kids want to get ahead, like any other sport today, and I could have my own comments about how things are run today versus when I was growing up, kids have to do extra stuff to be good in a sport. And it's unfortunate that as opposed to when you and I went to boarding school, okay, you, the kids were playing three sports. Today, they tell you when you get to high school, you got to focus, which I think is not the right thing, but it, I'm, I can't change that, change that dynamic. I think it's hard to change the financial um, situation involving hockey. I think if people would step up and invest in leagues for people who just want to play competitively, but not at the most competitive levels, you could make it less expensive. But ice time is tough. Um, there's not a lot of ice time. I don't see new rinks being built in large quantities. So I think the financial, what we've done is we've invested in making it less expensive for kids to get into the game. So I think one of the things I've always heard from parents, oh, your kids play, and I live in a pretty affluent town in Boston, and people said, oh, your kids play hockey. We don't want to spend the money. We don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Well, by, by developing learn-to-play programs like the NHL program and others and getting kids in at an affordable cost, at least they have an opportunity. You take away that sort of stigma that it's going to cost so much at the beginning. Let them get in. And if the, kid prove, the kids prove that they're capable of playing and want to play, it's amazing how parents will find the resource to do it. The other thing, when you come to our store, certainly some players, depending on their, you know, their economic position, the parents' economic position, want to buy nothing but the best equipment. Equipment is sold all the way up and down the price spectrum. You don't need a $1,000 pair of custom skates to go out and play hockey. If you're a great hockey player, you can play in snow boots, okay? So if families don't have the resources and you don't need to feel that they're competitive with every other kid, buy what's right for them. Okay. And, but unfortunately, if you're playing on travel teams and you want to get to the next level, you know, there's certain steps you have to go through like any other sport, baseball, my kids were competitive baseball players and spent summers in the South and it costs an awful lot of money. And, but I think kids can get in cheaper by participating in these learn to play programs. I think that you'll find that there's a range of equipment that they can buy that doesn't require them to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars every year. Well, there certainly would be some families that want to do that for whatever reasons, but I think there are opportunities. So let's, I know we could do an entire podcast on this topic, David, but um, this is something that I want to pick your brain about. 
especially because I'm, you know, a hockey mom and I have a daughter, but why do you think the the game for women, women's hockey is not getting as much attention as the men's? Like, how can we build up the women's game? Because I just feel like the women get shortchanged when it comes to hockey. What are your thoughts? They do. We've, we've had this discussion, Nina, with the manufacturers because it's, you know, one of the questions is if a, if a young woman walks into our hockey store, a young girl, woman, what do we have for them? Um, and, it, you know, we've had people in our company say, oh, you got to make it in pink. Well, you know, you know, well, as a, as a mom and as a mom of a daughter, y- your girl doesn't have to go out in the ice in pink to be a hockey player, right? And I think it comes down to the manufacturers manufacturing some equipment that we can say is for women. I think it takes leaders, okay, and influence rules will start out there. And if you look at hockey today, so much, so many of the kids who are playing hockey play because your fathers played. And there weren't a lot of moms playing. When you grew up, you know, you may have gone to prep school and that was, but most of the, most of the schools didn't have high school women's programs, right? And at the professional level, where a lot of the fan, fan sort of, you know, going and looking at hockey as being something they want to be involved with comes from the NHL. And with a lack of professional teams that are out there in the public in a big way, and there's a couple leagues that have started, okay, and they need to get funded and they need some wealthy people standing behind them. They need to get TV rights. They need to get more notoriety. They need to be funded well over a course of a long period of time so girls can look up to and say, hey, I want to be like her. And right now, every little boy who plays steps on the ice has a male hockey player in the NHL that they look up to or an older brother or a father who played. And without that, it's just it's a tougher fight. But I think what we need to do is continue to fund the NHL, the um, the girls' professional programs, make college women's hockey, which is an incredibly competitive, great sport, and the Olympics. I mean, you've got some incredibly talented women, but it's not publicized enough. You know, so you have young girls who are playing in you know in leagues who are still looking up to the NHL, where you need that attention directed toward people who who are like them. And I think at that point, when there's more demand, you'll see towns all of a sudden opening up girls-specific programs. I know in our hometown, there's, you know, there's four or five really good girls teams and about four or five other teams of lesser competitive kids. And I think it's up to towns. But I think what happens is, you know, towns get stuck with budgets, unfortunately, and there's not enough fundraising. And all of a sudden, they look at it and say, well, we've got these teams, we've got to take care of them, and sorry, we can't do anything else. And I think there's got to be a lot of, you know, sort of financial thought around this thing. And there's got to be people who step up, you know, entrepreneurs, business people who have the resources and fund some of these programs. It's interesting from, you know, just from a business perspective, people say that the the sector with the girls playing is actually like the fastest growing part of hockey. So there's obviously money to be made there with all these girls wanting to come out and play. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can work on that because that's something that, I think about a lot. So I hope people that are listening actually help help us, you know, put the energy where where it should go to help to help the women and the girls be on, you know, equal playing fields there on the ice. You know, let me just say one thing. We we and I'll include me in this, we've gotten lazy because the equipment manufacturers and the equipment retailers like me know that if a young girl or woman's gonna play hockey, they're gonna come into our store and buy Bauer, CCM or Warrior or any other brands. And they're going to buy the same stuff the boys wear. And because that's the only option they have. So their option is they buy what's available or they don't play. And I think that's unfair. And I think we need to start talking to women differently. We've made a, I don't want to say a half-baked effort to bring more women employees into our retail group. Because 
you know, you know, as a mom, you bring your daughter and you may want to talk to a young girl when you're talking about fitting pants or shoulder pads or stuff like that. We've tried. It's been a decent effort. You know, we recruit women as much as we possibly can. And we try to explain to them, this is a, if you're going to be in the retail business, this is a really, really good thing. I can point out about a dozen retail managers we have who are really, who are former hockey players, who talk up the game, who still coach the game, which we encourage them to do and are really fantastic. But if that's only in, you know, let's say a third of our, you know, total stores, you know, we're making somewhat of an impact, but it's half-baked, right? And I think we and the manufacturers could all do better by speaking to women differently than we have in the past. Yeah. Well, good for you. I appreciate that. So um, you're putting your money where your mouth is. I like that, David. That's awesome. You mentioned NHL. So tell us, wait, what's your favorite NHL team? I want to know what your favorite team is. I want to know, also, do you have a favorite women's hockey player? Because I know I do. Um, but, and also who your favorite players are just, and what about college hockey? Who's your favorite college hockey team too? Um, I went to Bowdoin college in Maine. It's a small division three school. And, uh, so that will always be my, my favorite college team. Um, I can't get this next answer right because I have stores in, you know, we have stores in 19 States. So I'm about, I'm going to, I'm going to piss somebody off, but I'm a Bruins fan. I grew up in Boston. I've lived here my whole life. I'm a hardcore Bruins fan. Um, I appreciate Brad Marchand. Um, I think he's tough. I think he's a player. I think, you know, for a guy his size, forgetting about his skill set, he's not afraid of anyone. He instigates. People hate playing against him. Um, and I think it's just, uh, it's great to watch him play. Do you have a favorite women's player? Um, I like the women in our company who I've skated with a couple times. Erin um, Normore. Katie Gardner, um, both of whom played a lot of college, played a lot of hockey growing up. They're my favorites. I, I go out there on the ice, I see them play. I get to work with them every day. And I think they're just great people. Oh, that's awesome. I love the shout out. Um, I have to give a shout out to Amber. You have to come to the Stanford, Connecticut store. Amber's my favorite. Can I interrupt you and tell you a quick story? Yeah. So we opened a store up in um, Maquan, Wisconsin. And about two years, two years ago, we opened the store. My first trip to the store, I had never seen it. We negotiated the space. I had someone doing it for me. And I went up there and I walk in and there's a mom, a hockey mom, who I, if I'm not mistaken, has three or four sons. Name's Kim. And she, I could relate to this woman. She was probably 10 years younger than I. I don't want to say this, maybe 15 years younger than I am. But she just, everything you know about a hockey mom, she was. She cared about the game. She lived for her kids' activities. Great woman, seems like an awesome wife, looked the part. I said to myself when I met her, this is what we need in every store. Because who understands the game? Everything from the dirty equipment to the, to the needs of the players, to the male or female player in their family, to the husband who may have played, to the timing, to the having to balance work with, I mean, uh, hockey with school and everything else. And here's a mom who took the time with a bunch of hockey players as kids to come to work. And there are plenty of people out there who need to work some hours, need to earn some extra money. And they're, they're part of this culture. Whether they intended to be or not growing up, they are part of this culture. And every bit as important to this thing as a father, as a player, because you, you and I both know without the mom, organizing things, shit doesn't happen. That's right. right. Yeah. And we nope. make it all come together. 
Right. And to be able to bring these people into the store, we have so many moms coming into stores, bringing their kids in, getting skate sharpened, buying stuff for themselves. That if you can have somebody who's not just a female, but somebody who thinks like they do and experiences the same stuff that they do, how great would that be? Yeah, that would be awesome. I right. love that. Yeah. See, you've got goals, David. You have goals. I love this. This is so good. You don't have enough time to hear all my goals. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So tell us what's next in now, you know, we're, we've gotten through Q1. What's next um, for the rest of 2021? What, what do you see the vision for pure hockey? What's on the, what's on your, what's like, if I were to open up your agenda for the rest of the year, what's, what's on there? Well, as my executive team would probably tell you, they're tired of hearing me say that we're going to block and tackle really well. Um, We have a lot of stores. We own, a very large share of the US hockey market and we're gonna to continue to grow that by, by executing. It's not rocket science. We're gonna open up two, three, four new stores a year in markets where we exist, have existing stores or new markets for us. We're continue to drive our online business through a lot of hard work and investment. Um, I'm always looking for acquisitions. I haven't found anything recently because I'm comfortable making acquisitions and integrating them. Haven't found anything I love, talking to a few different people. Um, but we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to grow fairly conservatively, although some people would say very aggressively. It's for me, you know, for growing our business, you know, 10, 12% a year financially, that's fantastic for us. Um, we keep a tight lid on expenses. We have really good people. And my philosophy about running a business has always been have fewer, better people. And we'll continue to do that. But nothing crazy, just continue to do what we're doing because it seems to be working. And we've gotten through this year in a lot better position than many other people in this industry have and other industries, as you know, um, we're fortunate, but again, it goes back to having a, you know, a good capital structure, liquidity. I think we've made some good decisions, certainly some tough ones over the years, but made good decisions. And we're just going to continue to grow the business and um, have some longer term, bigger plans that probably not ready to discuss, but uh, you know, I've got a young kid in the business and I've got a business partner. We want to continue to grow and do some good stuff. And, uh, Fortunately, we're in a position to do that. Well, I think your your I think your word for 2021 is growth. I think that's awesome. That's a good word for you guys. So, David, as a CEO, I love to pick pick your brain on this. But what advice would you give to college seniors who are about to graduate right now and coming into a very uncertain job market? What advice would you give them? Um, I think I have. It's funny because I have uh, we have my wife and I have four boys between us from 25 to 31. We're a little outside that, but they're dealing with a lot of the same issues. And I talk to a lot of young people and my, my advice to them across the board is be calm. You're going through a different environment that no one's really navigated their way through before. And if you've done the right things and you put yourself in a position to be successful, you're gonna have options. It may not be May when you graduate, it may be in September, but there's a tremendous demand out there in the economy for good young people. And just remember that and believe in who you are. And my best advice to any people is people get so caught up and I need to go into a banking or I need to go into law, I need to be a doctor or something like that. And if that's what you're predisposed to do or really want to do, go for it. But what you really need to do is find something you love because most people don't come out of Cornell or Harvard or Penn and you know plan to go to med school or plan to go to law school. Most of them are People who are going to go into the business world and try to figure something out may not have a career plan at age, you know, 21 or 22, and that's okay. 
you know, the good thing is about not having a wife and kids and a mortgage at that age, which in most cases they don't, is you've got some flexibility. And yes, you need to go out and get a job. You need to pay back student loans. You need to pay for yourself. But, you, you know, find something over the course of time that you love. And if you find something you love, you're probably going to be better at it because you're going to be more committed to it. And if you're better at it, over the course of time, the financial rewards are going to come. And I think that's the thing. If you get opportunities, never turn your back on an opportunity. You never know that the guy you're standing next to uh, in the line to get a cab or, you know, at a restaurant could be, you know, the, the luck you need for your future. And treat everybody with respect. Be very open. Whatever you thought your path was, it's probably not going to be that way. You know, I bought a shoe company when I was 29. I thought that was the rest of my life. And, you know, here I am at 60 running a hockey company. And just be open to opportunity. Think about what you'd like to do. And if you can go to work every day, being happy with what you do, and, you know, for the, for the 10, 12 hours you're commuting and working, how good is that? Because there's these great opportunities in this country, despite what's gone on the last 12 months globally. There's a tremendous opportunity to do good things and a lot of freedom to choose where you'd like to be. And a final thing about that, and I tell all the young people this, I was taught this by a mentor a long time ago. 50% of success is showing up. Just showing up, just come to, just show up at the door and do your stuff. 45% is paying attention and delivering. And 5% is luck. And it's amazing that if you do the other 95% really well, how lucky you become. And I think that people just need to get it. And it's been a tough year, Nina. Okay, it's been a really, really hard year for a lot of people, emotionally, health-wise, seeing their family struggle. We've got to move forward. And, you know, this may be the biggest struggle people ever get through, but life is hard. And the biggest message I send to my kids, no one's giving you anything. You know, you got to work and hard work is the only, con your husband, I'm sure tells people this in his office all the time. You don't know anything but hard work and all the most successful people, there's a common denominator. Yeah, I'm sure there's some inherited wealth out there, but there's a common denominator. You get off your ass and you work. Hard work pays off. I've always said that. That's one of my mantras too. So I feel like that was just an episode of David's Got Good News. That was such good <laughs> advice. I love that. I think you need your own podcast, David. What's, yeah. what's happening here? I'd never be able to compete with you, Nina. Oh well, you're so you're funny, but you you would. You're doing you're doing awesome. So I just want to say thank you again for being on today, but also for helping me and encouraging me to come out of retirement after 31 years and getting back on the ice. And I think part of it was that you probably thought my equipment from 1990 was uh, maybe <laughs> needed, but um, I just want to say thank you for being part of my journey back to hockey and coming out of retirement and you're part of the story and a big reason why I decided to do it. And gather a bunch of moms and get back on the ice. So I just want to say a big thank you to that. And hopefully I'm not embarrassing you in all my Instagram videos. <laughs> you, you know something? I don't get embarrassed. I, I embarrass myself more than anybody else ever could. But uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I think it's inspiring that um, people should be doing stuff that makes them happy. And, you know, why, why, why not you? Right? And why not the other moms who are playing? And, you know, let's get more people involved in the game. You know, make it fun. That's what it's all about. It's the year of yes. That's what I've called it. 2021 is the year of yes. Well, we need and to drag, what, we need to what, drag we, people onto our side of that ledger and have more people yes, more optimistic. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like after the year we've had, like, why not? Right. Yeah. 
Um, we have nothing to lose. So we might as well have fun and say yes to more things. So um, David, where can everyone find you guys? Instagram is your jam like mine or what? Instagram is your place well, to find everyone in your website. Yeah. Pure hockey, our website, we do a lot of stuff on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we need to ramp up our social media even more than we have. And I'm looking to you to help us there. And, but uh, it's an initiative for 21 for sure. That's good. I think that's a good, I think that's a good um, thing to work on in 2021. I think everyone's social media can get a little better this year. So we'll work on that. But David Nectow, thanks so much for inspiring us and sharing all the good news about this amazing game of hockey and your journey. And I just love hearing all your entrepreneurial advice and um, really appreciate it. So thanks so much for being here today. Nina, thanks for having me and uh, let's do this again. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also, rate and review all her podcasts, too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.